Back on episode 202, we ripped into one of my favorite Metallica songs and into one of my favorite books, The Mortification of Sin by Puritan pastor, theologian, John Owen. In that episode, we covered the highlights of chapters one and two, and I realized that it was definitely some hard meat to chew on. But you know, that's what John Owens does. He chops up the meat. And you don't need any more cookies and milk in your Christian life. Neither do I. We should be done with cookies and milk. Because you're a man now. And men, we eat meat. So in this episode, I want to rip into another one of my favorite Metallica songs that is most definitely John Owen approved. And then we rip into chapters three and four of The Mortification of Sin. My brothers, I warn you in advance, it's about to get violent up in here. So here we go. time it is you're listening to the grizz podcast it's gonna be raw it's gonna be real and it's gonna be relevant we're here to guide encourage and equip you to live the manly life that god is calling you to live it's time for you to step up and man up that's what god expects and that's what this jacked up world desperately needs now here's our host Jason George. That's some good stuff right there. Yeah. That's actually a cover by a dude on YouTube that goes by Swan the White Pig. Swan the White Pig covering Seek and Destroy by Metallica. He just killed it. Anyway, what's going down on my brothers from other mothers? Thanks so much for taking time to tune in and to listen to the wildest podcast for Christian men in the universe. You're wild, man. Wild. I'm here in the Grizz Cave, my dog Remy. Got a hot cup of coffee in the old mug. Hope you guys are doing well. Man, the lyrics, the lyrics, dude, of Seek and Destroy by Metallica, they get me fired up, man. They get me fired up to kill the sin in my life. I'm not kidding, man. It really does. Some people may say, you know, like, Oh my goodness, that song, it's its so aggressive. That song is so violent. Well, that's right, Karen. It is aggressive, violent. That's why I love it. There's a proper time and place to be aggressive and violent on the proper things. And the sin in your Christian life is one of those things. So shut up, Karen. Go sit down. You don't know what you're talking about. As I think about the lyrics of this song, I think about the inner war inside of me between my old sinful flesh and the new man that I am in Christ. Let me read the lyrics to you. They go like this. He starts out, we're scanning the scene in the city tonight. We're looking for you to start up a fight right there. Like, okay, what's going through your mind, Grizz? What what are you thinking when you hear that? I'll tell you what I'm thinking. So my new man is scanning the scene. 
and he's looking for the old man because he wants to start up a fight with him. That's right. It goes on, it says, there's an evil feeling in our brains, but there's nothing new. You know, it drives us insane. I can relate to that. There's an evil in my brain. It's in my heart. It's in my mind. Jeremiah 17, 9. I do feel it daily. I'm sure you do, you do too. Song goes on. It says, running on our way, hiding. You will pay dying 1,000 deaths. Running on our way, hiding. You will pay dying 1,000 deaths. That's good. You know what I think about? Now that the, now that the uh, old man knows that I'm looking to start up a fight, he's running away. He's hiding because he's a coward. But he will pay dying 1,000 deaths. That means I'm going to kill him again and again and again. Every day, I got to keep killing him. The war never stops. The war on sin in my life never stops until I get to heaven. And that's why I'm searching, seek and destroy. Searching, seek and destroy. What? The sin in my Christian life. Searching to seek and destroy the old man, my old sinful flesh. By the power of the Holy Spirit, mortify the sin that still dwells in me. Romans 8.13. This is something I am actively and continually doing. I'm commanded to do that. So are you, if you're a follower of Christ. The song goes on. It says, there is no escape, and that's for sure. This is the end. We won't take any more. Oh, man. I like that line. I think about how I've reached a point in my Christian life where I won't take it anymore. Sin is no longer going to be master over me. I'm not going to take that anymore. This is the end. And sin, you won't escape. I'm going to kill you. The song goes on. Say goodbye to the world you live in. You've always been taken, and now you're given. I like that. I'm saying goodbye to living like the rest of this sinful, perverted, jacked-up world. I'm saying goodbye to that. I was always taking in my former life. It was always about what I can get to gratify my sinful cravings. It was all about me. It was all about selfie. But now I live to give, not take. Say goodbye to the world you live in. You've always been taken, and now you're given. You can see how this song fires me up. Then it goes on. Running on our way, hiding. You will pay dying 1,000 deaths. Running on our way, hiding. You will pay dying 1,000 deaths. Searching. Seek and destroy. Searching. Seek and destroy. It goes on and says, uh, Our brains are on fire with the feeling to kill, and it will not go away until our dreams are fulfilled. That's a great line, dude. I relate. My brain is on fire with the feeling to kill the sin in my life because that's what the Word of God and John Owen have been doing to me. And set my brain on fire to do some killing. Plus, 
I've just taken a hard look at the damage that sin has caused in and through my life. So it's got my brain on fire with a feeling to kill it, kill the sin in my life. And I'm not going away until my dream of killing, conquering my sin is fulfilled. Goes on, it says, there is only one thing on our minds. Don't try running away because you're the one we will find. My old sinful man, you need to know I'm going to catch you. I'm going to destroy you. You're the monster that lives inside of me. You're going to die. You're going to die. Running on our way, hiding. You will pay dying 1,000 deaths. Running on our way, hiding. You will pay dying 1,000 deaths. Seek and destroy. Seek and destroy. So I don't know how you read the lyrics of that song and how you apply it to your life, but for me, the Grizz, that's how I read it. That's how I apply it to my life. That's why I really love that song, dude. I find it to be, you know, like a very, very soothing, motivating, spiritual hymn. You're wild, man. Wild. Listen to me, my brothers. When it comes to the sin in your Christian life, you are commanded by God in Romans 8, 13 to partner with the Holy Spirit of God to seek out your sin and destroy it. That's what it means to mortify your sin. You seek it out. You destroy it. Every single day of your life here on earth, you must be on a seek and destroy mission. And John Owen helps us understand how to effectively do that. That's why we're going through his epic book, The Mortification of Sin, which was written in the 1600s. So the Grizz is resurrecting this classic from almost 400 years ago because I feel like we need it more now than ever with sinful addictions running rampant within the body of Christ. And I don't say that arrogantly as if I'm so holy and righteous, because I'm not. I'm well aware of my own sin, but I can honestly say I've been on a seek and destroy mission for many years now. And by the grace of God, I've made some progress, but I've not arrived. I've won many battles, but I've lost some too. But I tell myself the truth, and the truth is the war is not over. There is more sin killing that needs to be done. So let's start out with a review. Remember, here's the main point of the book, The Mortification of Sin, in John Owen's own words. This is so good. Suppose a man to be a true believer and yet finds in himself a powerful indwelling sin leading him captive to the law of it, consuming his heart with trouble, perplexing his thoughts, weakening his soul as to the duties of communion with God, disquieting him as to peace, and perhaps defiling his conscience and exposing him to hardening through the deceitfulness of sin. What shall he do? What course shall he take and insist on for the mortification of this sin, lust, distemper, or corruption. The entire book is John Owen answering that question. And as I've said before, 
It's a theological masterpiece. I find it to be penetrating, powerful, and effective, like sin-killing ammunition. So chapter 3, he begins by telling us that almighty energy, almighty energy is necessary for the accomplishment of true sin-killing in the life of a believer. He constantly reminds us that it is the work of the Holy Spirit in us who does this mortification of sin. Listen, brothers, I don't know if you figured this out yet, but I sure have. We do not have almighty energy in and of ourselves, but God does. That's why we must continually look to him, call on him, and rely upon him for this ongoing work of mortification and sanctification. The almighty energy that is needed to kill the sin in our lives, it comes from God. We have to constantly look to him, call on him, and rely upon him for this ongoing work of mortification, sanctification. Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2 is a good description of what we, what we have to do here. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. I have to ask myself, guys, are you doing that each day, Jason? Are you laying aside every weight and sin which so closely clings to you? And are you looking to Jesus, calling on him, relying on him for the almighty energy to do that? If you're not, then whatever efforts you make at killing sin, they're going to be useless. Owen goes on and tells us that God has promised to do this work of mortification. God has promised to do this work of mortification. God has promised to do it inside of true believers. He then references Ezekiel chapter 11 and chapter 36 and Isaiah 57. These passages are the promise of the new covenant in Christ, and it's amazing. We need to claim these passages. Listen to what they say, and you'll see what I mean. Ezekiel chapter 11, verses 19 through 21. God says, And I will give them one heart and a new spirit I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh, that they may walk in my statutes and keep my rules and obey them. They shall be my people and I will be their God. But as for those whose heart goes after their detestable things and their abominations, I will bring their deeds upon their heads, declares the Lord God. Then in Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 24 through 32, he says, I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your land. I will sprinkle clean water on you. You shall be clean from all your uncleannesses and from all your idols. I will cleanse you and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. 
You shall dwell in the land that I give to your fathers, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God. And I will deliver you from all your uncleannesses, and I will summon the grain and make it abundant and lay no famine upon you. I will make the fruit of the tree and the increase of the field abundant, that you may never again suffer the disgrace of famine among the nations. Then you will remember your evil ways and your deeds that were not good, and you will loathe yourselves for your iniquities and your abominations. It is not for your sake that I will act, declares the Lord God. Let that be known to you. Be ashamed and confounded for your ways, O house of Israel. That's the new covenant, that God is going to put his spirit in us. And when his spirit comes in us, his spirit is the one who gives us this this new heart that actually wants to walk in God's statutes and be careful to obey his rules. God gives us a new heart with new longings and a new love. This is beautiful, man. So I go back to what Owen was saying. He says that God has promised to do this work of mortification. And then that's when Owen references these verses on the new covenant. That God has promised to do it. How is he going to do it? He puts his spirit in us to do this work of mortification and sanctification. Isaiah 57, 17 and 18, he also references that. It says, because of the iniquity of his unjust gain, I was angry. I struck him. I hid my face and was angry, but he went on backsliding in the way of his own heart. I have seen his ways, but then listen to what God says he'll do. But I will heal him. I will lead him and restore comfort to him and his mourners. We need to claim all of that. God has promised to do this work of mortification in us, believers in Christ. We need to claim it. We need to tell God, come and do it. You promised it. Come fulfill your promise in me. Remember what it says in Philippians, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Owen goes on to say that the renewing of the Holy Spirit is needed in this work of mortification. The renewing of the Holy Spirit is needed. What does renew mean? It means to restore to freshness, vigor, perfection. We need the Spirit to do that in us. And he references Titus 3, 5, where it says, He, talking about God, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. You know that word renew or renewal? is also used in another famous verse in the New Testament, Romans 12, 2, where it says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing, there's that word, of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. You see, the renewing the Holy Spirit does inside of true believers is a renewing of the mind. Guys, listen, the real battle we face is always in the mind. 
the mind, the heart, they're connected. That's where the real battle is faced. That's where we need the Spirit of God to work in us. And guess what he uses to do that renewing, the renewing of the Holy Spirit? Guess what he uses? He uses the sword of the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 6 tells us that the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. It is both a defensive and offensive weapon. That's what the Spirit of God uses to renew the heart and the mind. The renewing of the Spirit is a renewing of the mind, and that won't happen apart from saturating your mind in the Word of God. And when you do that, Romans 12, 2 says, it transforms your life. Sin will be killed. Sanctification will take place. Listen, my brothers, this work of mortification, this work of killing the sin in our Christian lives is done always in partnership with the Holy Spirit. Owen will continually say that throughout the book. Any type of effort, at killing the sin in your life apart from the Spirit, it can't be accomplished. We can't do it on our own. But we also just don't sit back and say, well, I'm going to let go and let God. I'm going to just sit back and let the Spirit of God do it. I mean, he says he's going to do it, so I'm not going to do anything. That's not biblical either. We must partner with him in this work of seeking and destroying the sin in our lives. You ready for some chapter four? All right. I know you are. Let's chop it up. All right. Chapter four of the mortification of sin. Owen says that the life, strength, comfort of our spiritual life depends much on our mortification of sin. The life, strength, comfort of our spiritual life depends much on our mortification of sin. If you're a true believer in Christ and you're not experiencing life, strength, comfort in your spiritual life, then a big reason why that could be is that you aren't making any legit efforts to kill the sin in your Christian life. You aren't seeking and destroying. I see Christians who slap at their sin. They slap at it. That's all some of you are doing. You're slapping at sin. Imagine going to war and all an army does is slap their enemies. It sounds like the stupidest thing, but just imagine that. We're going to go after them. What are we going to do? How are we going to get them? We're going to run up on them and we're going to slap them. We're going to slap them. We're going to freaking slap them. We're going, to, we're going to just take them out. Wait, and then what? That's it. We're going to slap them. 
they run up and slap their enemy. That's it. You know what you would think of an army like that? You'd think you're not an army at all. You're not at war. War is seek and destroy. It's no different in this war with sin. Death to selfie, remember? We don't slap selfie. We kill selfie. Seek and destroy. Owen goes on and says, Unmortified sin will weaken and darken your soul, robbing you of comfort and peace. He says that this is what happened when King David harbored unmortified lust in his heart. Listen to King David and what he went through when he harbored unmortified lust in his heart. We see this in Psalm chapter 38. And you got to remember, this was mighty, one time, mighty David, who had the courage, the strength, the faith to stand up to Goliath, the mighty Philistine warrior that made the entire army of Israel, like, you know, shudder in their armor. David stood up to him. He was a beast. But now later in life, listen to what he says. Psalm 38, verse 3. There is no soundness in my flesh because of your indignation. There is no health in my bones because of my sin. So what happened, David? You were so tough. You were so valiant. You were so brave. You were so courageous. You were so close to God. You had like this incredible peace of God that was just in your life and God was comforting you and God was so real to you. God was using you. What happened, David? He says, there is no soundness in my flesh because of your indignation. There is no health in my bones because of my sin. Unmortified sin will weaken and darken your soul, robbing you of comfort and peace. This is what happened to King David. What does that word indignation mean when he says there's no soundness in my flesh because of your indignation? He's talking about God's indignation. Indignation is anger, anger that is aroused by something unjust, unworthy. David's sin. Then in verse 8, he says, I am feeble and crushed. I groan because of the tumult of my heart. What is a tumult? It is an uproar of disorder and turmoil. That's the condition of his heart. There's no peace in his heart right now. And he says he's feeble, he's weak, and he's crushed. All of this is because he harbored unmortified lust in his heart. Owen goes on and says an unmortified lust will suck up all of the strength and power of the soul and weaken it for all duties. It does this by unframing and untuning the heart and its affections away from God in communion with him. I got to read that again. Dude, we need to understand this and we need to let it motivate us to live holy lives unto God. An unmortified lust will suck up all of the strength and power of the soul and weaken it for all duties. What do you mean duties? The duties of the Christian life, the things that you should be doing for God. An unmortified lust 
will suck up all of the strength and power of the soul and weaken it for doing those duties. It does this by unframing and untuning the heart and its affections away from God and communion with him. This is so freaking true, man. Oh my goodness. I've experienced that several times throughout my Christian life. I think of times when I've slipped up and I've looked at pornographic things. You know what happened when I did that? I completely unframed and untuned my heart and its affections away from God and away from communion with him. And therefore, what happened? I was unable to do my duties because there was no spiritual strength in me to do them. My sin caused that strength to be sucked away. That's what sin does to us. This is what Owen is trying to get through to us. It's not worth it, my brothers. It made me think how this is why um, so many men in the church are really doing nothing in the spiritual battle. They're really not engaged and they're not advancing to make a difference in this world because they can't. They have no spiritual strength because they harbor unmortified sin in their Christian life. This is why it's such a priority to kill the sin in our lives. This is why the enemy keeps dangling porn and sexual sin in front of their face, tempting them. They give into it because the enemy knows it's their kryptonite. It sucks up your spiritual strength. You're ineffective. You're unable to perform the duties in your Christian life that God wants you to. Listen, guys, something God's been teaching me. When you choose to leave the feast at God's table and go feast at the table of demons by looking at porn or going to a strip club or stopping by Mrs. Happy Ending Massage Parlor, that loves you long time, when you do that, you allow sin to suck up all the spiritual strength and power that you have, and it'll weaken you for your Christian duties. 1 Corinthians 10, verses 21 and 22. You cannot drink. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Shall we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? You have to choose. You cannot enjoy God and sin at the same time. You can't. It's impossible. It's one or the other. You can't feast at God's table and at the table of demons. If you choose to feast on sin, the table of demons, it'll suck up all of the strength and power of the soul and weaken it for all its duties. 
This is why after a Christian man involves himself with sin, he doesn't feel like he can do what God's called him to do. So what does he do? I've done it. He avoids prayer, Bible study, going to church, going to an accountability support group. He avoids sharing the gospel with lost people. He avoids using the gifts that God's gifted him with, preaching, teaching. Maybe it's leading worship, mentoring, counseling, leading his family, whatever. He avoids it. Why? Because he's involved himself with sin and it has sucked up all of his strength and the power of his soul and it's weakened him for those duties. Owen is trying to help us understand that's what unmortified sin or lust will do every single time. So is it worth it? He goes on to say that unmortified sin weakens and darkens the soul like a thick cloud to prevent all the beams of God's love and favor from shining through. This is a really good word picture. Unmortified sin weakens and darkens the soul like a thick cloud to prevent all the beams, think of sunbeams, of God's love and favor from shining through. It's so true. It is so daggone true. That's, that's literally what I just talked about back on episode 203, part five of the life of Joseph. I entitled it The Secrets of Real Success. I told you that one of the secrets of real success that Joseph experienced was to trust and obey God even when no one is watching and even when it doesn't make sense. That's one of the secrets of real success. Joseph experienced that. He lived that. That is why God brought success in and through the life of Joseph. You see this play out in his life. He continually trusted and obeyed God, even when no one was watching and even when it didn't make sense. He didn't harbor unmortified sin. And guess what happened? All the beams of God's love and favor shined down upon him to the point that even those around him could see it. It was obvious to them. I mean, I have to ask myself. I have been asking myself. Don't you want that in your Christian life, Jason? Don't you want the beams of God's love and favor shining down on you and through you? Unmortified sin weakens and darkens the soul like a thick cloud to prevent all the beams of God's love and favor from shining through. It made me think of uh, the verse in James that talks about uh, blessed is the man who endures temptation. Blessed. You're going to experience blessings from God when you endure temptation, when you don't give in to it. There's a blessing that comes with that. You just have to be willing to wait for that instead of, you know, I want to be gratified and feel good right here, right now. Okay, 
You can get that. You can do that. You can get that temporal, superficial, momentary gratification from that sinful thing. You can do that. And you're going to miss out on what really matters, what you really want. What you really want are the beams of God's love and favor shining down on you. So what do you want? I mean, if the answer is yes, yes, I want the beams of God's love and favor shining down on me, then for God's sake, man, seek and destroy the sin in your Christian life. Stop slapping at it. Seek and destroy it. Owen goes on to say that when we do kill our sin, it prunes, it improves all the graces of God and makes room for them and our hearts to grow. This is an incredible picture of like a a field, like a big field or a garden. So basically, I take it as for the good and godly stuff to grow and flourish in my Christian life the way that it needs to, I have to go get an axe and go chop up the nasty, thorny sin trees that are growing in my field that are trying to prevent all of the graces of God from growing and flourishing. Those nasty, thorny sin trees in your Christian life are choking out all of the good, godly stuff from growing and flourishing. I mean, picture that field in your mind. I don't know how many of you have done landscaping work. I've done a lot of it. I used to own like a small um, yard improvement business. I've pulled a lot of weeds. I've cut down a lot of trees. And there are these nasty trees that I don't know if they were here at the beginning of creation or if they just showed up after the fall of man. (laughs) But they've just, they're nasty and they got thorns all over them. I mean, on the trunk to the branches everywhere. Just nasty. Nobody plants those in their garden. Nobody purposefully plants those in their field. They come up and they try to choke out all the good stuff. What do you got to do, man? You got to go get your axe. You got to kill those nasty, thorny sin trees. You chop them down at the root. Notice I said you chop them at the root, not the fruit. You chop at the root of sin, not the fruit of sin. You dig down past the topsoil and find the roots. And you go freaking nuts on them. You chop it up. You get it out of your field. You seek and destroy. Owen goes on to say that the heart can become like the lazy man's field, so overgrown with weeds that you can hardly see the good corn. He's trying to get you to picture that field. So picture it. Think long and hard about that field. The lazy man's field, so overgrown with weeds that you can hardly see the good corn. Why did the lazy man's field become so overgrown with the nasty, thorny sin trees? Because he's lazy. Because he won't go do the hard work that needs to be done to kill the sin in his life. He doesn't want to put in the hard work of killing sin. Listen, guys, I I don't know if you figured this out yet. I hope you have. Committing sin is easy. That's easy, man. There's nothing manly about that. 
That's weak. That's easy. But killing sin, now that's hard work. Killing sin is one of the manliest things you'll ever do. It requires some hard stuff. Honesty, vulnerability, confession, accountability, separation, prevention, replacement, perseverance. Hard stuff. Remember 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 10? What does it tell us we have to do to become godly? It says train, exercise yourself for godliness. Train, exercise. The Greek word is gymnazo. Self-sacrificing effort yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end, we toil and strive because we have our hopes set on the living God who is the savior of all people, especially of those who believe. I want you to notice the words in that passage of agonizing sacrificial work. The words like train, toil, strive. There's nothing easy about training, toiling, striving. It's work. It's a fight. It's a struggle. It's hard. It's inconvenient. It's uncomfortable. It's the hammer and chisel God uses to create a godly man. 1 Corinthians 9, verses 25 and 27, the Apostle Paul says, every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. I love that part. I discipline my body and keep it under control. That takes work, effort, toiling, striving, training, exercising, gymnasio. When we do that, like Owen said, it prunes all the graces of God and makes room for them and our hearts to grow. When Owen says that the heart can become like the lazy man's field, so overgrown with weeds that you can hardly see the good corn. I couldn't help but think that this is where a Christian man begins to not even look or sound like a Christian because the nasty thorny trees, the sin trees, have taken over his field, his heart. And again, why does this happen? Neglect. He's lazy. He's not willing to partner with God's Spirit to consistently, day in and day out, do the hard work of mortification and sanctification. Last night, I was leading an online support group for Christian men who are fighting to overcome porn and other sexual sins. It's called a CLIMB team. If you want to be part of one, you need to reach out and let me know. Shoot me an email, info at narrowtrail.com. Anyway. Last night, I shared with them something that I read from Christian counselor and author Joe Dallas in his book, The Game Plan, and it goes perfectly 
with what we're talking about right here on this episode. This is what he wrote. Most relapses, and he's talking about with particularly porn or sexual sin, most relapses, I haven't seen, oh wait, I'm sorry, saying it wrong. Most relapses I've seen haven't occurred for complicated, obscure reasons. They've happened because someone neglected his program. He simply got lazy and stopped praying, studying scripture, attending meetings, and working on his maintenance routine. He goes on and says, inconsistency is a common downfall. That's been true in my life. John Owen said, the lazy man's field is so overgrown with weeds that you can hardly see the good corn. Don't be that guy. That means you have to constantly, daily, always be killing the sin in your life or the sin in your life will be killing you. You have to stop slapping at your sin. You got to chop it at the root. And in doing so, you will make room for the graces of God to thrive and flourish in your Christian life. The beams of God's love and favor will shine down upon you. Don't you want that? I want that. Then you got to go get some. You got to seek and destroy. Couple closing items of Grizz Biz. See, we got some more coming up. Future episodes on the mortification of sin, helping us learn how to seek and destroy it. Some good, good stuff is coming. Hey, if this episode was an encouragement, motivation to you, share it with a friend, share it with your men's group, copy the link and just share it with them. Also, leave us a rating and review wherever you listen to the Grizz podcast. And also, would you consider becoming one of our monthly supporters of this show? Seriously, if the Grizz podcast benefits you, be a blessing back to our nonprofit ministry by making a one-time or recurring monthly donation. Guys, we need that. We wouldn't exist without that. Even as little as $10 per month, that's a real blessing back to us. It helps us do what we do. There's a link in the show notes for you to do that, or you can go to narrowtrail.com, click on our give page. If you're interested in joining one of our climb teams for men who are serious about fighting and overcoming porn and other sexual sins, there's a link in the show notes for that. Listen, guys, there's no shame in needing help from your brothers in Christ. There's no shame in doing what God has commanded us to do, which is to band together as brothers and help carry one another's burdens, help encourage and hold each other accountable. There's no shame in that. It's actually liberating and life-giving. It's 100% confidential, so you need to quit worrying about what others may think of you. You want to know what the guys on the climb team are going to think about you? They're going to respect you for coming clean, getting real, and fighting the sin in your Christian life. Kill the sin, guys. Seek and destroy. Also, protect your devices, your computer, your smartphone, your tablet. Get covenant eyes. There's a link in the show notes. 
CovenantEyes.com. Use the promo code GRIZZIN, G-R-I-Z-Z-I-N, GRIZZIN, to get your first month completely free. Put it on your kids' devices as well. Seek and destroy, my brothers. Seek and destroy. That's what we do. That's who we are. Savage, serial, sin killers. Grizzin. Oh, wait. Let me do that again. Need to turn it up. Yeah.